Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Oh my gosh, we made it, you guys. This is the last Thursday of 2017. And this happens to be the eve of my 10-year anniversary. Woo! I can't believe. (laughs) I can't believe, Lord Jesus, that we made it to 10 years. Um, And so I wanted to do something special today, which was invite my husband to be a part of this podcast episode. But before I let you hear... (laughs) It wasn't an interview. Before I let you hear our little interesting conversation, a couple things. First of all, if you are new to Redefining Wealth, welcome, welcome, welcome. So glad to have you here. This has been such a great ride. I am about three months in on this podcast, and I have enjoyed every second of it. Like This has been such a blessing to really share my heart around you know, redefining wealth. And even as a personal finance expert, I have always gone well beyond talking about budgets and credit reports and all the other things that people associate with personal finance, because I've always been fascinated more so by our mindset and our behavior and the relationships that we have. And people is a big pillar for us. We have six pillars that are the foundation. I encourage you to go back and listen. But the people pillar is about creating relationships that matter. And one of the things that I've talked about on the podcast was taking a step back at different points during my career to really get laser focused and just reassess what's important to me. And my family and my marriage has definitely been one of those items that comes up one of those topics that comes up for me over and over again, always trying to make sure that everything is in alignment because what good is it to chase money and to chase any level of career success when your relationships are in a shambles? And that's been a lesson. That has been a lesson that has come back to me, for me, over and over again. It has been a blessing. I'm always glad to get back in alignment because I have always believed that money was not everything But I do believe that we live in a society that really teaches you to pursue money and career aspirations at all costs. And while I am so thankful to be America's money maven, I'm super thankful for the career choices my husband has made and how they've been a blessing to our family. But I also know that we've had a lot and we've had nothing. And in the process, there have been some really key things that have kept us together. Like being broke, like broke, broke, us losing everything in the recession, getting to the point of scraping up change and trying to shake out my old purses, looking for money or even hitting up the the cushions of the couch trying to find loose change. Like, yeah, it gets deep. Even though we've been there in those moments, living in a 600 square foot home or apartment to living in 6,000 square foot homes. Um, and driving matching Range Rovers and having the business and flying first class and being able to do whatever we wanted to do. There have been some pretty foundational things that have kept us, whether it was for rich or poor or sickness and health or like for better or worse, because we have definitely seen some worse in this 10 years. 
But I'll say this, I'm super proud that I was able to convince my husband to just come and share a few lessons. Now, the funny thing is, it's called 10 Lessons from 10 Years of Marriage. And then we start laughing so hard when we were recording that we got a little off. So I'm not really sure how many lessons are there, but I give you guys lessons every week. So don't hold me to that. It just is what it is. But I also will say this. My husband is a very behind the scenes kind of guy. He is a television producer and he manages a lot of talent and he's a great businessman and negotiator, but he is very much behind the camera. He is not on the mic. He does not like to do any of the frontward facing things that I do, that I love, that I come alive with. So much so that we both spoke at Steve Harvey's Act Like a Success Conference. I think it was either this year or last year. But he had a 45-minute block to speak. (laughs) And he zipped through everything he needed to say in about 15 minutes. So (laughs) that just goes to show. But he was very impactful. (laughs) Like He really dropped some great nuggets, some great gems on the audience. But they have to cut me off. I'm supposed to do an hour. And at 70 minutes, they're giving me like the listen, we're about to pull your mic sign. And my husband is the complete opposite. He always says that ever since we have been together, he's like, you write essays, like you speak in essays and I speak in memos. (laughs) Very brief and to the point. And actually, here's an extra lesson. If I didn't get to 10 when he and I were talking, then this will be 10. A lesson that I've learned in speaking to my husband and lots of therapy (laughs) and couples counseling is that I had to learn how to land the plane with him. So as a woman, you know, I tend to give a lot of details, which is why many of you like the podcast, because I tend to give a lot of examples and try to really paint a picture. And my husband calls that hovering. And so when I would ask him a question or want to talk to him about money, I would give him like these long backstories. And I just wanted to put everything in perspective And he would be so frustrated, eyes like glazed over, not focusing anymore, totally thinking of something else. You could see it on his face that he was not present. And I learned in counseling that instead of getting upset, I need to learn to stop hovering like I do with my girlfriends and land the plane. And so when I tell my husband a story now, it is a totally different version than I tell my best girlfriends. And my best girlfriends, boy, do they love all the extra. (laughs) So I could give them color, taste, feel, texture, like totally paint the picture. And with my husband, I just have to say, hey, I saw an accident today. It was bad. (laughs) He doesn't want to know what cars. He doesn't want to know like what the people on the side of the road were doing. It's just, oh, okay. That's it. So anyway, there's a big lesson I've learned in 10 years of marriage. That's helped for like the last six. I've been learning to land the plane. But yeah, it's our tomorrow. By the time you guys hear this, tomorrow, December 29th, will be our 10-year anniversary. I'm super proud of that because there are many times on this journey, you guys, where I was Googling for apartments. I did not think we were going to make it. Can I keep it real? And um, I'm sure he's had to do the same. So we're not here by any type of obligation, (laughs) clearly. We have a lot of fun together. This is where we want to be. But marriage takes work. Like, gosh, I mean, so many people who think that 
marriage is supposed to be roses and peaches and sunshine. And I see so many Facebook posts. I actually was just on Facebook and someone wrote this whole thing about what I wouldn't stand for if my husband did X, Y, and Z. It's like, listen, you don't know what you would do until you are in a particular situation, until you're in a circumstance. And if you really believe that you can put two imperfect people together and come out with these stellar I mean, stellar results, then God bless you. Like, no, we didn't have a fairy tale love story in the beginning. I didn't even like him. Um, <laughs> I didn't even like him as a friend at first, but then we became really good friends, really good friends to the point where other people would say, why don't you guys just date instead of trying to hook each other up? And we didn't see it. At least I didn't see it. And uh, after about a year and a half, we kind of secretly started dating, but it was like very much on the low because if it didn't work out, we didn't want other people in our business and we thought we could somehow preserve the friendship. I don't know how that was going to happen. But anyway, here we are some 14 years later, 10 years married, and now I'm going to let you hear my kind of fairly shy behind the scenes not wanting to be in the spotlight guy and uh, see if we can get through these 10 lessons or nine or eight or whatever it was. So I'll be back at the end. Take a listen. Okay, here he is, the man of the hour, my husband, Mr. Gerald Washington. Thank you for having me. Here he goes, (laughs) being extra. Okay, so we don't really have a script or anything like that. All I asked Gerald to do was write down five lessons that he's learned in these 10 years and that I would write down five lessons. And we would just kind of count them down for you guys and give you a little insight about how we've made it to 10 years. Because I don't care what anybody says, this is a big milestone. Like, yeah, 20 years, 25 years is great, but... When you have as many friends who got married around the same time who have not made it to 10 years, and many of our friends have um, gotten divorced or long-term separation after two or three or four or five years, I am super excited about 10 years, so I'm not letting anyone steal my thunder right now. So here's the 10. We're just going to count down backwards, like no particular order, right? Correct. Okay, so I'll let you start since you're the guest. What's number 10? Number 10, friendship is a foundation for us. I think what has allowed us to weather many storms and and be here at 10 years is that we started with a very solid friendship. And that alone has allowed the ups and downs, the conversations, the things that would put most people out, as you said in the past, it's allowed us to stand strong because we're friends at the core, no matter what, we're friends. And you're able to receive things from your friend that you wouldn't be able to receive from your mate. And when your friend is talking to you, sometimes you listen more. When your friend is talking to you, sometimes it doesn't hurt as much. Friendship is a good foundation. This is going to be a different podcast than you guys have ever heard before. Let's just set it up front. I'm involved. So you're going to hear some noises because I move. My wife sits still. And the whole podcast, well, no noises. I scratch my head. <laughs> but like, why? Okay. So, yes, I totally agree. Friendship is the foundation. 
Number nine for me would be laughter is mandatory. So as you can see, we do laugh a lot. He entertains me quite a bit. And it's funny, actually, when we started dating back in the day, well, because at first we were friends. We were friends who who began dating, but we didn't really tell anyone. And I remember I had a girlfriend, Adrian. When she found out that we were actually dating, she was like, Gerald? But does Gerald laugh? Like, does he smile? And I think that's one of the biggest things that people don't realize is how goofy he actually is and how goofy we are just as a family. I remember when I was pregnant, we prayed that Reagan would actually have a great sense of humor and be goofy. And just the three of us in our home. And so people have no idea how it goes down, how at any time we can break out into a full 80s song and dance routine around the island. And it's just ignorant. But that's what also just keeps things a bit more lighthearted because we know things can get heavy and deep and life can be rough. But the thing that I enjoy most about us is that we laugh a lot. And as much as people think we're so serious because we're business people and financial people, like at home, all we do is laugh. Okay, you're number eight. Go ahead. (laughs) Embrace the journey. And the noise you make when you're doing a <laughs> podcast with Seek Wisdom Fine Well. So, um, embracing the journey. For me, it's understanding that there's going to be lessons that come out of the ups and the downs. And I think when you have the patience to sit back and embrace those aspects of, w- of what's going on around you, you can grow from it. Um, and so for me, it was embracing the journey and knowing that it's not going to always be as, as pleasurable and as fun as I want it to be, but that's a part of where we're going to be 50 years from now. Okay. Here's another one. Number seven, a lesson that I've learned is that date night is imperative. It is so imperative to the success. Don't try to show me. Oh, that's good. Okay, so it's like seven and six. Six and seven. <laughs> so we both believe So you can chime in then. Like, we both believe that date night is just really imperative. And I know back in the day, we were so good with having, like, our Friday movie dates. We owned our real estate and mortgage brokerage together, and we made it a point every Friday around 12, 1 o'clock, get our work done, go to the movies, have lunch, have dinner, like, hang out. And we did that for years. But then kids come, responsibility shifted, things happen. We've moved all over the country We stopped working together. We had different jobs. like, And it just wasn't as easy to do. And we let it kind of fall by the wayside for years. And it's only been the last year or so, honestly, where we have picked back up on it. And I feel like it's made the biggest difference in our marriage. I absolutely agree. It gives us that time away from everyone else to refocus ourselves. After church on Sunday, we get to rekindle ourselves again on a Wednesday and have a date night, we can have a good touch base that allows us to remember and talk and laugh and joke and be uninterrupted. Yeah, I I will say that one of the things that made me super happy this year, (laughs) he's trying to stay still, oh gosh. One of the things that's made me like super happy this year is when your talk show schedule changed, when it shifted and we were doing date nights on Tuesday nights. 
And then you forwarded me something, but then you called and you were so intentional about, hey, the new schedule is out. I'm going to be recording on Tuesdays. I have to work late on Tuesdays. So can I negotiate switching date nights and Wednesdays? And I just couldn't believe like how thoughtful you were and how proactive you were. And it made me feel like you really look forward to it too. Like it's not just about me demanding a date night, but you also look forward to it and you were just thoughtful about it. Yes. I mean, I just think I wanted to show the intention, the intentionality behind what that space provides us and what those days provide us. And to be ahead of it versus behind it versus canceling and not being on a Tuesday. Here's what's realistic is that if we switch it, then no one's angry with each other. And here's a tip for parents. If you need a babysitter, we learned that Friday nights, Saturday nights, like young people are trying to go out. They are like trying to do their thing. So Tuesdays and Wednesdays, you have a slightly better chance of getting a babysitter or soliciting some help because Tuesdays and Wednesdays are not really cracking like that. Okay, so I covered seven and six. You can do five. Kids come second. Mm. I think it's important to realize that Kids are a byproduct of, of you and your spouse sleeping together. <laughs> <laughs> you produced those children. They came out of you guys, so they come second. Because what allows them to be here is the relationship you guys have created, the marriage that you have, and the love that you continue to build together. If you allow them to get in the way and get in the way of you guys sleeping together, <laughs> then, then it'll be a problem. I'm just making a joke. But seriously, kids come second. The way that this will last a long time and college will be paid for and people will be happy and the work you're taken care of is, is if they're not the focal point of everything. They have their place. They have their, you have your responsibilities towards them, but they come second. Uh, you all's friendship, as we said, number one, and embracing the journey and the relationship is essential to a healthy marriage, which will produce healthy children. I agree. <laughs> number four, commitment is a daily choice. And I chose that as a lesson because I just feel like there's a lot of times where you don't feel like it, where you don't feel like apologizing, where you don't feel like being nice, where you don't feel like telling someone about your whereabouts, or you don't feel like consulting someone before you make a purchase, or you don't feel like, feel like, feel like. There's so many times where you don't feel like it, but in order to protect the peace, and to honor the other person and honor the vows and honor this union, it's not about what you feel like. If you made a commitment, then you do it anyway. Then you get over yourself and your feelings and you do it anyway. I believe that on the other side of pushing past your feelings, there's always some type of breakthrough or you just, I don't know, you just preserve and protect the peace of your situation if you push past your feelings and go, you know what? I made a commitment, though, to do this, and it is what it is. Number three, I think you have to remind her that she's beautiful. Mm. And not only so much on the outside and the things that she wears when you're going on, you're going to the gala or events where she gets dressed up, but just daily, because I believe it effectively helps her on the inside and when she hears it from you consistently and when you remind her that beauty is within her and it's all of her for me I think I think it it, it helps it, and it will help and has helped my marriage to stay strong so that my, my, my wife remembers that I'm attracted to her and all of her 
Okay, here's a big one for me. I don't know what number it is anymore because he's thrown me off. Forgiveness is giving up the possibility of a better past. Mm. And that has been one of the greatest lessons that I could have ever learned. And I think not just in forgiving my husband, but also forgiving myself for making decisions or not making decisions that I thought I should have made when I thought I should have made them. And, you know, I don't know about you guys, but in a relationship, it's really easy to repeat and replay in your mind over and over again what someone else did to hurt you or see those scenarios, especially as women. Oh, my gosh. We can remember everything. It's so annoying. Like men can remember no details about anything, but we remember every single thing, the day of the week, what time it was, what we had on, how we felt, and we get all into it. And a lot of times I'm just really learning, even still to this day, that forgiveness is giving up the possibility of a better past. It's not about, I wish he would have done this, or I wish I would have said that, or I wish it turned out this way. I wish that never happened. The point of the matter is it has. And so that means that if it has and you're still here, you have to make a choice to let go, really to surrender. And I'm not saying that it's easy, but it is also a choice you have to make over and over again. And forgiveness, understanding that it's giving up the possibility of what could have, should have, would have happened. Like in accepting this is what happened, but then like Gerald said, embracing the journey and also embracing that in a lot of the things that have happened that may have hurt, there were great lessons and great blessings that came on the other side of it. And so I really feel like those two kind of go hand in hand, embracing the journey and just understanding forgiveness is giving up the possibility of a better past. Thank you guys for tuning in. Oh my gosh. To... The Gerald Washington podcast. <laughs> Please come back next week. Same time, same place. Not for other. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing. This has been a good experience. It's, has I, it? it's taking me outside of my bubble for sure. Yes. All the way. I thought you used to be a DJ. Yeah, but those are quick blurbs to a, an audience of. Uh, Dancing people. <laughs> this is thoughtful content to a listening ear of predominantly women. So I'm nervous. Because they going to let you know if they don't like you. No, well, I'm playing. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> okay. I appreciate you being here. Seriously. I'm really glad that you took the time to write out some lessons. They were, they were definitely thoughtful. So I appreciate you. I got you back. So there you have it. My first interview. Well, no, his first kind of interview. My first talking to him <laughs> on the podcast. And I hope we have a chance to do more, maybe more like a Q&A where he can just answer things very directly. Um, as you can see, we're very different. <laughs> And the funny thing is, so that was actually nine lessons. So I went back and listened with you. Those were nine lessons. And so for me, the 10th lesson would be accepting your differences. And one is just that, again, my husband and I are 
different in many ways, but I could talk and talk and talk. And that guy speaks in memos. He speaks in text messages, but I will say he's very effective and he speaks up when he needs to. He's not afraid of that. Praise the Lord. So anyway, um, so that was fun. It was a great beginning. We actually had to edit out a lot of laughing. You guys would have been so annoyed with how much we laughed about really nothing. We can look at each other and just laugh. It's it's actually a little ridiculous. But in accepting our differences, I mean, it's everything from the fact that I talk a lot and he doesn't to he really makes me want more for myself. I really do believe that I am who I am and I'm where I am because of his support and his push and his encouragement. Because Gerald is a big vision kind of guy, and I'm really the nuts and bolts, kind of get it done type of person. And so there's a lot of areas in my life where honestly, you guys, I think I would have settled for less, not thinking that I was settling, just lack of exposure, just not knowing things that I didn't know. And because he's always on the hunt for what's next, he just sees things that I don't. And then he brings me into it. And I usually love it. But on the flip side, I also can pull him in when I need to. <laughs> like at the stores, like with buying stuff. I'm I'm definitely the saver and the planner. And he's definitely the spender and the big thinker, big outside the box thinker. So I hope as time goes on, I have an opportunity to share a bit more about just our relationship and what the process has been like. You guys have heard my story of scraping up change after everything crashing and losing that seven-figure business, but I'm not sure if you've heard him tell his side of going from tailored suits and traveling the world to taking a job at Taco Bell where on the regular folks would throw open-faced tacos through the drive through window. Yeah, because people do that when they're unhappy with their order, believe it or not. And I would love for him to share his redefining wealth story from his perspective. So once we teach him to lean all the way into the mic regularly... <laughs> and he keeps us stretching and getting out of his comfort zone, we will definitely bring him back. But make sure you tell me what you thought. Um, PatriceWashington.com backslash listen. Look for 10 lessons, 10 years. Give me some feedback in the comments. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Uh, Check out some of the past episodes. Yeah, and share and like and comment and review and all that great stuff. So this is the final episode of 2017. Thank you so much. This first three months of Redefining Wealth has been such a blessing for me personally. Thank you for your continued tweets, for your direct messages, for your emails, for your notes, for running up to me. Uh, When I was at an event just a couple weeks ago here in Los Angeles, someone ran up to me and they didn't even call me Patrice. They called me Redefining Wealth, which was cool too. (laughs) So... Thank you guys so much for the love, for the support. And I just pray that for 2018, all of our minds are blown with the wealth that we're able to create in our lives. So until I see you on the other side, go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without chasing money. Talk to you later. Bye.